Recently, I saw this question. If you had to spend time in prison, what would you finally have the chance to do? Now, setting the reality of life in prison aside, just the idea of having all that time on your hands is an intriguing fantasy. You could finally learn another language or get really fit or write that novel or that music you've always wanted to write. A good artist residency gives people that time. At a residency, you are totally free. You have almost no responsibilities other than to pursue your creative dreams. This is Rainy Knudsen. I'm the founder of Glass Tire, and in November 2020, about a year and a half after I stepped down from Glass Tire as publisher, I attended a residency for the first time in my life at the UCross Foundation in Wyoming. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that my two-week experience at UCross changed the course of my life and even changed my perception of who I am and what I do. The reason I went to UCross in the first place was because my old friend, the wonderful San Antonio-based visual artist Joey Farso, encouraged me strongly to do so. In fact, she said that UCross was one of the best experiences of her life and that I simply must figure out a way to go. I have had an extremely high regard for Joey's good sense and wisdom and fundamental decency and kindness for a long time. And so even though the timing wasn't perfect, or it didn't seem perfect at the time, I decided to say yes to this experience. In addition to UCross, Joey is intimately familiar with the residency Art Pace in San Antonio, where her husband, the artist Riley Robinson, is the director. Joey's an artist who is also a wife and a mother and a professor, and who at one point ran a great exhibition space in San Antonio called The Bower. She has a unique perspective on residencies, or she calls them, these dualities of isolation and an intense sense of community. In our conversation, which was recorded in July 2021, we talked about how residencies can help you get past your fear, get over imposter syndrome, get over the hump, and find your path. At the end of the podcast, Joy mentioned some good resources for finding residencies. And as a reminder, deadlines are coming up. UCross's deadline is September 1st, and the deadline for Art Pace's open call for Texas artists is September 30th. And with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Joey Farso as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Hello, Joey. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with me. I'm I'm really glad you agreed to do this. Uh, talk about residencies. Um, it's the my last pleasure. time we, yay! The last time I, I think we had really spoken was when I was debating um, doing the U Cross residency, and you you encouraged me to go for it, and um, and I'm so glad you did. Yeah, I can't. We haven't really discussed how what your experience was there, and I can't wait to hear about it because, as you know, in my in my argument to go, I loved you cross so much. It it was a very transformative experience for me. Yeah, well, and full disclosure, after I did my residency there um, last year, November, November twenty twenty, and um, after I did that, they asked me to join their advisory board to sort of help get the word out um, and uh, reach more artists and writers and musicians who might want to apply. And so I was, I was so glad to do that and to help do it. Cause I also had an incredible experience. So I'm, I'm, I am an advisory board member of, of UCross now. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the, well, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but one of the many benefits of residencies is 
just that ability to connect with new people and to sort of expand our communities in in ways that you know aren't along our normal um, sort of trail lines. Mm-hmm. So I've done one residency, but you've done quite a few as a visual artist over the years. You know, what do you think are like the 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 best aspects of doing a residency for you? Well. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this because I knew we were going to have this conversation. And actually, UCross was the first residency that I ever did. Or maybe, yeah, I, I did it kind of like nested into the, the Roswell Artist in Residence program. But, I mean, I think there are so many benefits of doing a residency. You know, for, first and foremost, it it allows us to have time and space that we're usually, most of us usually aren't afforded in our daily lives, you know. I was thinking about one of my favorite books that I first read in college, Anne Truitt's Day Book, and where she talks about her experiences as a mother and um, an artist and also going to Yaddo. And, and, and one thing that she said was, the only expectations for myself when I was on that residency were, you know, the only expectations of me were what I put on to myself. You know, there were no external expectations, which is a very unusual experience for, for all of us, you know, whether we're mothers or not. And so to be able to have that kind of self-definition and to sort of also be immersed in a space where you really get to identify first and foremost as an artist or a writer or a musician, um, it's just very special, I think. Oh, yeah. It's so, I love what you said about that self-definition because that's really what it was about. I was sort of crafting, um, what it was that I wanted to do. And, you know, before I did the U-Cross residency as a writer, I honestly, even though I had been writing about art for two decades, I, I, or more, I, I don't know that I would have like comfortably introduced myself as a writer to people. And then it was sort of like, I was able to, (laughs) you know, admit that that really was what I am and what I really want to be, you know, just from like spending those two weeks there sort of intensively writing and working. Yeah. And that, that can be kind of a revelatory experience in so many ways, you know, like that idea that who we are is fluid and can be redefined based on any number of circumstances, like by relocating or having some dramatic shift that, you know, that we, there isn't sort of a set sense of this is who I am, that that can transcend and evolve and change is, is like, I think sort of core to life in a certain way. Well, it's interesting. You talked about like expectations and this idea that, you know, we place on ourselves or externally are placed on us, you know, these sort of like things we have to live up to or have to produce or have to do. And I think there are residencies where you are required to show something for yourself at the end of it. And that was wonderful about UCross where they were just like, there was absolutely no expectation, no timeline. And like they have people who've won big awards, Pulitzers or MacArthur Genius Grants, many years after doing their residency, you know, at UCross uh, in their alumni roster. And they, it's, it's just sort of like they understand that it's the, the, the creative process takes time. And you, know, you can't just sort of say like, all right, at the end of this two weeks, boom, you have to show something. You have to, you know, produce something. Well, and, and that's another interesting thing is I think there's been such a proliferation of just there's so many more residencies and they're so 
there's such a range in terms of what residencies can provide and what their structure is and what their expectations are. And so it's a nice thing, like as any one of us is like researching, what do we need at this point in our lives or what are we really, um, what's really going to help us to evolve you know, creatively or in terms of our, our goals, you know, like for some people, total isolation is what they need. Um, for other people, you know, like doing a residency, like the core program or, or maybe like Marie Wall Sharp or something where like you're connected to, um, you know, people that can help you get your work into the world. So there's, but I, but I found the other thing I was thinking about with UCross, um, is that, it has, I remember going on a tour with the, like the manager of the ranch and they had some really forward thinking ideas about, um, preservation of the land and sort of thinking about the ecology of that, that space and the history of the space and, you know, being able to be immersed in nature like that in, in seclusion, um, for a prolonged period of time is for me was, just incredible. Did you have that experience? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I would, you know, at UCross, they, they have this incredible chef, Cindy, who, who delivers your lunch every day, and, but it's like discreetly placed on your doorknob, like no one will disturb your creative process. And it feels, I almost felt silly, you know, being treated so well <laughs> with such kid gloves. But every day I would get up early and I would work all morning and then I would like be excited because I knew my lunch was going to arrive at noon. And then I would take my lunch and I would go for a hike every day and eat my lunch. I found this sort of really nice climb and I could have a great big view from on top of a, you know, large hill essentially. And, um, and I remember I was feeling a little guilty that I was sort of indulging in this nature hike every day. And I told uh, Sharon, the director of UCross, I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like I really should be working this time. And she said, Rainy, when you're hiking, you're writing. And it was, I was like, oh, because it was absolutely true. I was, I was thinking and getting ideas and, and spending that time in nature, um, was a huge part of the experience for me. Um, as was just the, um, complete removal of, from everyday life and responsibilities and being a mother and all of that, you know, your family, your home, you're not worrying about what day is trash day and you're not worrying about, you know, driving anywhere or meeting anybody. It's, you are absolutely focused on, um, you know, whatever it is your dream project is that you're trying to get done. Yeah, I, I just am, I'm still thinking about what you just said about um, when you're hiking, you're writing. I love that so much, and I'm going to be holding on to that for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a whole thing about the... The, the creative process involves a lot of what appears to be doing nothing. It appears that you're doing nothing and the lying fallow and the thinking is crucial to coming up with ideas and, and being productive. And yeah, I loved that. I loved that she said that. I feel uh, validated. I can hike whenever I want. <laughs> yeah, there was that book that came out recently. I think the author's Jenny O'Dell. Is that right? Called How to Do Nothing. Did you read that? I didn't, but I heard about it. It sounded it's, it's deliciously intriguing. I love the idler. I don't know if you know the idler, which is no, but I, I am gonna look that up too. Someone said to me yesterday, I forgot about this word. They said, "Oh, I've just been feeling guilty because I've been frittering away my time." I'm like, I love that word, and I think we all, after last year, maybe 
need a little more frittering, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. I, I'm, I'm loath to give up the frittering <laughs> and the quiet of, of COVID. I, I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I really slowed down. My brain slowed down. Well, I think what you're speaking to, which is another interesting part of the residency experience, is how our work um, is influenced by the environment in, in which it's created, you know? And I, I, I just was in New York last week, and I saw the Alice Neal show, which was, like, so incredible. And I was thinking about how each of those paintings you know, which is all often said about portraiture, but each of those paintings is really about the relationship between the artist, Alice Neal, and the sitter, you know, and there's a charge there, and we as a viewer get to kind of enter into that charge. And I think with the residency experience, you have this relationship with the space. You know, you're you're going into a different environment that you're not habituated to, you know, something where it's not, there are familiar patterns aren't there. And so the work gets to respond to that, to the newness and to the resources that may be different than the resources we have in our daily lives. And, 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 you know, you were saying this, but I love like when I'm reading, oftentimes when I'm reading a book, especially at the end, you know, in the acknowledgements, a certain place or a certain residency will be acknowledged and, then you'll think, okay, that that space had, you know, had an influence or had an effect on the, the, the unfolding of this work. Yeah, it was what was interesting for me about being there. I mean, I definitely was having imposter syndrome at UCross because the they were on half capacity because of COVID. So normally I think there are 10 there's space for 10 residents and they only had five when I was there. There were five of us. And, you know, there was a composer and a, a, a visual artist and a, another writer and a um, singer and composer. So, I mean, it was, and it was these people who were just incredibly accomplished in their lives and doing so much. And I was like, oh, I've never done a residency before and I'm not even convinced that I'm an artist and, and able to admit that to myself or anybody else, you know, and the first night at dinner, we were, we were sitting around and everyone's talking about like what they're there to work on. And they had these specific projects that they had, um, you know, applied to. And I was my, you know, my situation was completely different. I had just stepped down from Glass Tire, um, you know, the previous year. And I had uh, like a a folder filled with half starts and writing on my computer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my sort of game plan going in there was like, well, I'm just going to go through that folder and read everything and see if there's anything that I can pull out of it. You know, that was the beauty of it was that that time there, that very special time allowed me to figure out what it was that I really wanted to do next. And so I, I had two, and two things came out of that, two projects that I'm working on now. So, you know, and I wouldn't, I'm not sure that I would have come to that in the same way. And particularly one of them, which is more of a performance type piece. I, you know, I just, I'm not sure that I would have figured that out if I hadn't had this just intensive time um, sitting by myself, you know, uh, looking at a, a, a river and a mountain and hawks and deer walking by. Well, and in addition, like you said about the imposter syndrome, which to me, like, it's always so encouraging to hear someone that I completely admire and think of as a total badass, like you say that you feel imposter syndrome, because then it's like, <laughs> oh, we all, we all feel that way. But, uh, but you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's the space, it's the nature, it's the delicious food, it's the, like, um, stimulating company and conversation, and then also just... A, a construct or a framework that says 
yes, you know, you are a writer and this work has value and meaning in the world. Like all of those things probably mix into a stew of that, that helps to result in like the clarity that you're talking about, which is, you know, and, and, and that's why I think that these programs that serve like, you know, thousands of artists like you cross or art pace or Roswell artisan residency program, you know, there's such generosity in that mission in terms of how they are, you know, um, affecting individual artists and then how that ripples out to affect the culture at large. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think we just, our culture is so sort of results oriented and goal oriented that, um, it's seen as indulgent. I've thought about that with residencies, like, um, you know, it's hard to take a residency if you have, if you have very limited vacation time, like Riley, you know, working at ArtPace as the director of ArtPace, he, he doesn't have the time to, even though he's also an artist, like he can't take a residency. Whereas because I'm in academia, I, you know, I've been able to do a number of residencies. Um, although granted those residencies have been ones that I've had, ones that have allowed me to bring my kids, which has been a challenge, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, how has that worked bringing family with you? Because I think the separation from my sort of relationship as a mother, um, was part of what enabled me to get so much work done when I was there. How's that worked for you bringing your kids? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) sometimes more successfully than others. I mean, the first residency (laughs) I did after I became a mother, um, Brendan was like a year and a half. And I just, I was just like, I was determined not to have motherhood like change what I, you know, my schedule or my sort of work as an artist. But that was a stupid thing because of course, everything in our lives influences everything. But uh, so I took him by myself when he was like a year and a half. He was a very big baby to to this residency in Austria, in the Austrian countryside. And um, we both ended up getting like a very, very serious flu where we had to be hospitalized in this like country uh, Austrian hospital. And I felt incredibly guilty for, I felt like I, I felt like I endangered my, you know, child for, because of this thing I thought I had to do anyway, that was not very successful. But, um, since then we've done a number of family residencies that have been wonderful. We went, you know, Blue Star has their partnership with, uh, Kunstlerhaus Batanian in Berlin and we went there and I was lucky because Riley was able to come for part of it. And then my mom came for part of it, but, um, we did have to rent an apartment outside of the residency. And, um, yeah, what I would say is I, I have, I don't get as much work done as I was probably get done without them, but the, the experience has been really creatively fruitful and you know a lot of the work I've done in the last number of years has kind of included the kids in different ways so um yeah I mean it's it's a challenge I would say but um not an insurmountable one and with the exception of that one Austrian residency they have all been good experiences and that and the Austrian residency um it wasn't the fault of the residency it was just that that Paul and I I mean Brendan and I got so sick yeah 
Well, and it's good to know that there are residencies that welcome families. I mean, I did, actually didn't even really realize that. I, to me, the residency is this very sort of, because I've only experienced it once, and this was my experience, it's this very isolated, um, intense uh, period of solitude where you're just um, really, really focused on the work at hand. But it's nice to think, I, you know, it didn't occur to me like, oh, well, there could be a residency where you, you know, had your work time, but you were also, you know, having this incredible experience as a family. That That's, um, that's wonderful that people offer that. Well, and that's really changing, you know, like, like, I think the, the um, conversations dealing with uh, inclusion and equity and how can we um, support artists in all communities with all kinds of responsibilities. Like, um, you know, there are a lot more residencies that are supporting artists with families. Um, we're going to do a residency next summer called, called Interlude Residency in Hudson, which is specifically for families. But a lot of residencies now have like a family house or a week when you can bring your family. And there are organizations like the Sustainable Arts Foundation, which gives grants to residencies to help them support artist parents, which is which is really awesome. You know, Sharon Dynack, the director of UCross, told me that they did not used to offer a two-week residency, and they found that parents just couldn't come for a month. And it's true, I could not have come for a whole month during the school year. I mean, it was just too much, to, you know, to ask of my parents as grandparents babysitting and everything. So, um but I was able to do two weeks, and you know, I, I and I, I think they did that for people like me. Well, and and yeah, and for or for people that even for for people that don't have kids, you know, thinking about taking two weeks off a job is much more manageable than a month or three months, you know. So I I feel like that opens the door to so many more working artists and writers. You know, it's it's really wonderful. Yeah, I I'm about to do a. Well, not about. In August, I'm going to do a two-week residency. It'll be the first time I've done a residency um, alone since I had kids, and I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> where, where are you going? I'm going to Yaddo, which is in upstate New York. Oh, of course. Yeah, Yaddo's, Yaddo's wonderful. I've heard such good things about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Wow. So, so, and how long, I'm sorry, how long are you going to be gone? Two weeks. So, yeah, just the same. You know, I, I felt like and even the two weeks, my younger son has communicated that that is something he's not uh, in support of. But <laughs> oh yeah, this for me to leave for two weeks was a big deal. It was a big deal, um, but everyone was supportive, and you know my family was really great. They just all and I, you know it's funny because I was I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to say yes. And I and I called you, and this is what I called you, and I was like, okay, I you know I need to. I'm thinking about UCross and, you know, um, they've invited me to come and um, work on this sort of book that I had mentioned in passing in an, in an interview or something. And you you were like, go, 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 do it. And so your encouragement and you're just saying what you said earlier, you know, in this conversation, that it was like one of the best experiences of your life. I was like, OK. So I called my parents and I was like, I need help. And God bless them. They all stepped up to bat for me and and everyone kind of came together and helped out. And my son was like, you know, very encouraging and supportive. And, and, and I ended up having one of the best experiences of my life. It was life-changing, truly transformative, life-changing for me. Yeah, I'm so glad you did it. And I do think that that one, like the in terms of the first residency to do or to have like a really special experience, I do think U-Cross uh, is a very special place. Like the land is 
exceptionally beautiful and it's a it's a very nourishing environment and yeah it's just a just a wonderful gift I think it, it is it really is no I mean I really I was headed in a different direction with my life quite frankly you know I had run a nonprofit for 20 years and it was a you know nonprofit arts journal that I founded glass tire and I was like, well, I'm going to go be an executive director of a bigger arts organization, you know, maybe a museum directorship or something. That's what I'm sort of headed towards. And, you know, I, you know, two things happened. I did the UCross residency and editing a book about Rice Gallery in Houston both sort of fell into my lap at these sort of simultaneously. And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what I want to do with my life at all. I don't want to do that. You know, I want to immerse myself in books and writing and, 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 you know, different kinds of creative work, which is always what I'd really always wanted to do all along, just was too chicken to do. So it was, it was really life-changing for me. It really changed the course of my life. I like that you said the course, because that's something I talk to my students a lot about. I always tell them, like, the, this idea that you have to respond to the weather. Like, I, like, I like to say, like, okay, you know, we're, we're, it's like we're pilots and we have a destination in mind. But when you're up in the air and you're flying... You have to respond to the weather, you know. If you don't, then you're gonna you're gonna crash. And this this idea that like you know, we may have an idea of where we're going, but that isn't necessarily where we need to go or where life is going to take us. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It's I was thinking about it like both in positive and negative ways. Like I think things can happen in life that can either you know there can be a slow evolution of of sort of our, how we identify or think about ourselves, like, you know, sort of creeping towards a a different reality, or it can be, it can happen like overnight, you know, like, you know, you can, you can reposition yourself in the world very quickly in a way where, like you said, like everything in your life can change, like for the better, there can be clarity, there can be revelations that happen almost instantaneously that's like oh no I'm a writer and these are the projects I'm going to be doing I'm not going to continue in corporate America you know or or not that you can were in corporate America but but you know what I'm talking about yeah doing fundraisers and yeah uh, all that stuff I I think that I think that was the greatest gift of the residency it was yes incredibly productive and yes I got a lot of work done but to me it was personally transformative and it and I think that's I think that's what a lot of people maybe get out of them is that they or from you know certainly for me that um it allows you to really think honestly and be honest with yourself about what you want to do with your life (laughs) you know and it was it was tough I mean it was emotional I was like alone in a cabin (laughs) doing this sort of emotional self-work if you will you know not to sound too silly, but, uh, it's not silly. No, I mean, I think it was intense. Well, and, and another thing that we haven't really talked about, but I wonder if you had this experience, but I've like, um, made some real lifelong friendships and central relationships in terms of like my work as an artist and people that I talk to regularly about work and, um, you know, at residencies and there are people I never would have encountered without that experience. So I also feel like that's, you know, it's, it's this kind of duality of isolation and seclusion that affords creative growth, like you're talking about. And then simultaneously, um, a, a very intense sense of community with, like you said, really interesting people that you probably otherwise wouldn't get to know. And that's pretty amazing too. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in touch with three of the other residents, you know, since we were together and, uh, you know, I feel like I will always be in touch with these people, at least to some degree. And, and, you know, I could always reach out to them and would always welcome them reaching out to me. It was, it was a very bonding experience because, you know, we haven't really talked about like how the day goes a little bit. I guess we did a little bit, but you know, it, at UCross, and I think this is probably true at a lot of residencies, they give you a workspace and they give you a live space. In my case, it was the same space. Um, and your only obligation, and you weren't even obligated to do this, but was to meet for dinner at six o'clock every night and be served this sumptuous, incredible chef cooked meal. Um, and that was when we gathered at the end of the day. And it ended up, you know, in the, those first couple of nights when everybody's just sort of like figuring everybody out and, you know, you, you know, it's a little slightly awkward or whatever in that way that people are when they're first meeting. But, you know, we very quickly bonded. And I just had such a great group of people because nobody, there wasn't posturing and there wasn't a lot of like, I'm fancy, you know, there wasn't anything like that. You know, everybody was just warm and generous and interesting and interested and, you know, I learned a lot from everybody. It was, it was wonderful. And, and actually another thing we did, which I think is common at residencies, you could speak to this, was at the end before I left, um, we gathered in the evening and or two evenings and everyone shared their work. Right. And, and you see, look, there are all these people doing incredible. Yeah, you really, I, I feel like the, the, the level of work being created is oftentimes so high and inspirational. When I was there, it's interesting because I actually, I, in terms of like kind of searching, I didn't, I used that residency like as this kind of boot camp for a specific project because I was working on my first animation. I was there in 2006, so it was a, a long time ago. I didn't have kids and, um, but so I, I had one of those stone houses by the river and I gave myself, I was trying to finish 350 paintings uh, for this animation. So each day I had to make 10 paintings and I would go to the mm. studio, like not big paintings, but like eight and a half by 11 paintings for this animation. And I would just work the entire day and then, you know, and then I'd go to dinner. And I remember so clearly one of the interesting things was that because I was like painting and probably not using the language part of my brain all day, I'd sit down for dinner and I would like kind of be unable to form words for the first <laughs> hour or something. I felt like it, I couldn't, yeah, I felt like English was my second language or something because I had just been in that sort of image painter brain all day. And so, so did you complete your goal? Did you, do you, did you get all the paintings done while you were there? I did. <laughs> I completed the <Yay>. goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, before I did that residency, Michael and I were running the Bower and I was like, I was teaching, I was teaching at the elementary level. I was teaching adjunct at the college level. I was working for a nonprofit, I was running the gallery. I was trying to do my own work and I, I got completely burned out and exhausted. So I decided, okay, I've got to, got to make a change because I'm so tired. So I applied to a bunch of residencies and I got the U-Cross one and then the year in Roswell. So I strung those two things together and I had, you know, basically like 13 months where I could just focus on my work. And I, like you said, it just, it changed a lot of things for me. Mm -hmm. 
So there's obviously, like you, Cross, is sort of near and dear to my heart, and you've done a bunch of residencies, and we're in Texas here, so we have to mention, you mentioned Blue Star, of course, which is in San Antonio, which has the Berlin residency, and the core in Houston, which is a very well-known, prestigious residency. But near and dear to our hearts is Art Pace, of course, the, which is the oldest residency in Houston, in Texas, isn't it? I think so. And, you know, Art Pace is... is such a different model, but such a incredible experience in the sense that you're provided, you know, space and time and resources to create, you know, an exhibition. And there have been so many groundbreaking exhibitions that have resulted from the structure of ArtPace. So, yeah, and actually ArtPace is opening, um, it's open call, um, starts tomorrow or maybe even today. And the cool thing about that open call is that you know, being part of that list of artists on the open call list, which, you know, and anyone can apply for, that means that your work is going to get looked at by, like, multiple curators um, every year. So it's, it's a, it's a, and, you know, before, before I was with Riley and I was on that list, um, I never, I never got the residency, but I did get opportunities through the visits with those curators, you know, for other things. So it's, it's, it's a pretty great resource for Texas artists. I talk to my students a lot about this too. So there's a few hubs that are great for looking for opportunities and residencies. So there's artistcommunities.org, which is a big, you know, uh, database of residencies. And, and you can, the nice thing is that you can punch in, you know, sort of what you're looking for. If you're looking for a regional opportunity or something where you can bring your partner or your children and it, you can list the duration. So that's a great one. And then f looking for international residencies there is a great um, organization called ResArtis, R-E-S-A-R-T-I-S.org. And with ResArtis, they have partnerships with residencies all over the world. And you can punch in, um, like, if you want to do a residency in Iceland, which is a great place to do a residency, by the way, <laughs> um, they'll list all the Icelandic residencies. Um, so that's another good one to look at. And then the third one that I usually um, tell people to check out is um, New York Fine Art Association. So that's nyfa.org, N-Y-F-A. And they have an incredible um, database of, of residencies, but also exhibition opportunities and um, grants and all kinds of things that you can apply for. And then I also tell students to check out Glass Tire. <laughs> Yay. And Glass Tire has lots of uh, calls for entries and all kinds of things listed. Thanks for all of that. I just was I was looking at ArtPace. Um, the application period uh, is July 6th to September 30th, 2021. So Okay, good to know. September 30th is the deadline. September 1st is the UCross deadline, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast in my introduction. But yes, UCross um, is open to musicians and writers and visual artists. And they also have a fellowship for Native American visual artists and writers, um, uh, especially. And that is uh, the all their applications for the spring of 2022 are currently open with the deadline of September 1st. So apply now. And if you're like me and you think, oh, I could never do a residency. Oh, I'm not really a creative person. Oh, I don't really, you know, have anything to contribute in this way. Like, I, I would never do that. Um, apply, <laughs> just apply. Um, you're probably exactly the kind of person that they want to see. 
So, um, so don't be shy. Yeah, and I think they also take um, choreographers, right? Dancers. I think I saw that. Yes, they do. I'm sorry. It's music and dance. Mm-hmm. Yes, music and dance, visual arts, and then they break the writing down into fiction, nonfiction, playwriting, screenwriting, and poetry. So, um, so they, 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 and I was a nonfiction resident and there was a fiction or there was another nonfiction resident as well. JC Hallman, the writer. So I'm so glad you, um, decided to go last year. (laughs) I'm so glad you encouraged me. It's, you know, sometimes it's just sort of like everything serendipitously falls into place and like the right person gives you the right encouragement at the right time and you get to change your life and it's miraculous when it happens and you truly you cross was miraculous for me it was a wonderful wonderful experience well and that's a good word encouragement you know that i forget the name of it what's the malcolm gladwell book that talks about sort of artists that peak later in their lives and just how that relates to encouragement and resources but sort of thinking how we as a community can encourage each other and create spaces of encouragement, you know, like, cause encouragement is kind of like what we sometimes really need to just like get over that hump or to sort of find the path. Well, and it's an oft repeated thing. You hear it uh, from time to time, but you know, if you think you're too old or you think you missed your chance or you're middle-aged or even older and you're like, ugh, I'm, I, it's, I, you know, that ship has sailed water under the bridge. Just remember if you don't start doing it, uh, whatever that thing is that you want to do, you know, five years from now, you'll be the same age that you would be if you had started doing it. So um, you can do it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just was in New York and I, the, I saw all these incredible sort of retrospectives of just badass women artists. But at the drawing center, they had this Huguette um, Kalan show, who's a Lebanese artist. Uh, and it was curated by Claire Gilman, and it totally blew my mind. But uh, n- now I'm reading um, the catalog and a couple of books about her. But one of the things that she was saying was that she was always afraid of everything. And it was like she, so she acknowledged that she had all this fear, but that she, every time she had the fear, she, you know, she faced it. And I was thinking, okay, that's a good thing to know. It's like, it's okay to have, you know, um, reservations or fears about things, but, but, you know, it's inspiring to think about, okay, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> Well, Joey, thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me about residencies and UCross and Art Pace and your experiences. It's always inspirational talking to you. Thanks, Rainy. This podcast was produced by me, Rainy Knutson, for Glass Tire, the online magazine of Texas visual art. Special thanks to my guest, Joey Farso, to Brandon Zeck and Christina Reese, the publisher and editor of Glass Tire and especially to the staff of the U-Cross Foundation in Sheridan, Wyoming. As always, thanks for listening. Go see some art. <laughs>